Hey, this is Chris. Hope you're doing well and welcome to Popcorn Finance, the show where we discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn. Earlier this month, I got to join John Lanza over on his podcast, The Art of Allowance. It was episode 47, if you want to check it out. And we got to talk about one of my favorite topics, making investing simple and boring. You know, that's just <laughs> that's just how I like to do things. And this episode reminded me of a conversation that I had with John about the topic of allowance. And, you know, when I think back, I never really received an allowance growing up. You know, it wasn't anything on a consistent schedule. It was just random. Whenever I had bothered my parents for some money, they might they might give me <laughs> some money to do something random I wanted to do. But, you know, I did get lunch money on a regular basis. And I remember for months I would go to school and I would buy the cheapest lunch I possibly could because I wanted to save the rest because I wanted to buy a Nintendo 64. I had my eyes on this. I've been wanting it for a while and I have no idea if this was just over the summer or if it took all year. It felt like it took a while because I wasn't getting that much money (laughs) for lunch. But I finally saved up enough. I bought this Nintendo 64 solely for the purpose of getting this brand new Pokemon game that was coming out for it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Others of you are like, that's just you're just a nerd, which is partially true. But (laughs) but anyways, I've always been fascinated with the, the concept of allowance and how it should be handled and, and that the, the conversations you have with kids about money. And so I spoke with John about his book, which goes by the same name as his podcast, The Art of Allowance. And I wanted to share that with you all today. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with John Lanza. The big foundation of the book, at least for me, you know, reading it was setting up three jars. So a share jar, a save jar and a spin smart jar. Yeah, the the jars represent, so there are kind of three money smart skills that we talk about. One is distinguishing between needs and wants. Another is setting and saving for goals. And then the last one is making smart money choices. The reason you want to set up those three jars is you want kids to understand that when they're getting an allowance, you know, so let's just say they're getting an allowance on a weekly basis, they get used to the fact that whenever they receive money, they're making a choice, whether that choice is intentional, like it is when we do the handing out of the money, or not, you're making a choice. So the the quicker they can kind of understand that every time they do receive some money that they have to make a choice, and we want them to start to make smarter choices, that's kind of the reasoning behind having those three jars. And the way that we set that up is that, let's just give you like a rough idea of how this might work is for a five-year-old, they might get $5 a week. And it's very simple. They take out of those $5, one will go in the share jar, like you mentioned, and that's for charitable giving. And the idea there is you're kind of opting them in or nudging them into the idea that giving money to others is a good thing. And then one goes into the save jar. What you're doing is kind of opting them into this idea that they should pay themselves first. And then they have $3 where they have full autonomy over that. And they can put that into the spend smart jar. They could put it into the save jar. If they're saving for a goal, they can put it into the share jar, but they have control over that money. And really, it's really that control that starts to get at what we're trying to do is teach them how to become money smart and eventually become money empowered, which is really about having control over your money and not vice versa, where your money has control over you. And I really like that concept too, of giving them control, because I think that's I think that's one of the hardest things to do. You know, even someone who doesn't have kids, for me, it's like, you know, even with my younger brother, he's about six years younger than me. So I remember growing up, it's like, you know, I don't trust you. You know, you're not going to do the right thing. And I think that's always the, the thought is that, you know, their kids, they don't understand. They can't 
do this type of thing. They can't handle money. And I, I think it's really a really interesting concept and I, I think a great way to think about it, the way you put it in the book. And they're not going to learn unless you give them the opportunity to have this kind of control and, and make decisions. Yeah, and I think that's the toughest part for parents, uh, myself included, is that they're going to make mistakes with that money. The only way they are going to learn is to have a few failures with their own money. So you do want to advise as a parent, like, you know, if they, they think they're making a silly mistake, then you can step in and say something about it. But you have to kind of let them make those mistakes. You don't want to take too much control over it. You want them to have that control. And the way to think about it is that a mistake now is in a very kind of low stakes situation versus a mistake later where it could be, you know, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. For example, if we're talking about something like a college student loan or just a, you know, accumulation of debt. So it's giving kids that control in this low stakes situation that can be difficult as a parent, but it'll pay off in the end because kids will learn to get a little more control over that money and just comfort with dealing with money and making those choices on a more consistent basis. Yeah. And I think that that's really important because I've met so many people who just aren't comfortable with money because, you know, the first time you're introduced to money is once you finally get a job. And maybe it's like you're not until you're, you know, 20 sometimes when you get your first real job. At that point, you know, you've lived a lot of life already where you've had no experience with money. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden someone throws, you, you know, a couple thousand dollars. You don't you don't know what to do with that. And you're I see people who are so uncomfortable handling money, talking about it. So I think it's great to be able to, to build those those concepts and education in at a, at a really young age. Yeah, I, I remember that when I got my first paycheck, like real paycheck. You just think you just struck gold and, you know, very quickly you realize you didn't strike gold because now you're paying rent and you have all these other expenses. But it's still a lot of money. If you come out of college where you're basically a pauper and then you end up with a job, whatever kind of job it is, all of a sudden you have this windfall. And that's what's nice about this practice is that, you know, when the kids get older, we, we kind of up the allowance and we change the frequency of the allowance so that it's more like a job. So in other words, like my two daughters now are 15 and 12 and they get a larger allowance, but they get it on a monthly basis. So they have to kind of deal with this quote unquote windfall of money. And, you know, they'll almost always, whether it's my kids or talking to other kids about this, you know, they'll probably blow through that money the first one or two months that they're doing it. But once they start to understand, oh, wait, OK, now I have to kind of budget this money over the course of a month. They learn that lesson and they'll be more prepared when they start to, you know, when they get a job that's going to pay them more money than this, you know, relatively paltry allowance. You're listening to this podcast because you want to make better decisions about your money. But one area of our finances that most of us neglect is what happens after we die. If you have children or pets, own property, or want to decide how you're cared for in a medical emergency, you need a will or a trust no matter how old you are. I'm always looking for solutions to help make tackling these financial tasks easier, and that is why I decided to partner with Trust and Will. At trustandwill.com, for as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children, determine who gets your stuff, and plan for future medical care in as little as 15 minutes. And you get 10% off plus free shipping by visiting trustandwill.com slash popcorn, or just go and click the link in the show notes. 
And as always, I like to use anything before I recommend it here on the podcast. It's, that's always very important to me. And I was able to take a super short quiz on trustandwill.com to determine what type of document I would need. And they walk me through the entire process step by step. Did you know that if you die without a will or trust, each state has its own set of rules for how your assets are handled? They'll actually go in and freeze all of your assets until every detail is sorted out. And then the courts get to decide who gets your money and you have no say at that point. And so that's why it is so important to create a plan on your own terms. Trust and will documents are designed by estate planning experts and customized for the state you live in. And with live customer support seven days a week, trustandwill.com's team is available to answer any questions you have while setting up your plan. So to gain peace of mind and finally set up that will or trust you've been thinking about, head to trustandwill.com slash popcorn and get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents. Again, that's trustandwill.com slash popcorn. I really enjoyed the book and uh, these concepts. There's definitely some things in it that I'm going to gonna hold on to for when that day comes when I have some kids and be able to influence some of this because I think it'll make them uh, much more, I guess, prepared for the real world and how to handle that uh, that first paycheck when it rolls in. Yeah, uh, you're hitting the nail right on the head, but we're just trying to prepare them for the real world. And, you know, the other thing is like we're trying to go with these kind of clear jars and the reason we want to do that is you want to move away from this idea of the piggy bank, which is kind of opaque. You don't see the money. You're saving it for a quote unquote rainy day. That's way too abstract for kids. We are trying to get out of that paradigm and into the clear jar, which is also a metaphor for the conversation, the open conversation we want to create with our kids about money. We want to kind of break down the taboos and just have a real conversation about money that will help for them to get just get more comfort with it. Because, you know, I think for most of us growing up, myself included, it's like we didn't talk about money very much at all. And, you know, my dad's a banker. Uh, luckily, he was very frugal. So he set a good example in that way. But the fact is, we just didn't have a lot of conversations about money. And I know that that's not atypical. That's probably the case with you. That's the case with the majority of folks. And we want to kind of get to this new paradigm of clear jars and open conversation. I definitely agree with that. I, I've, the story I've heard from many people and same is true for me that, you know, it's not something you really talk about at home. So it's great to have resources like this that kind of get the conversation started. So John, you know, where can people go to hear more about your book? Where can they pick it up and even kind of follow along with you to, I guess, be a part of the conversation? Yeah, sure. They can come to theartofallowance.com. And they can find all the social links there. I have a blog. I have my own podcast where I talk to other parents. So they can kind of get cool ideas that they can bring in to use for their family. Because the, the whole idea here is that I provide a framework in the book, but every family, every kid, every parent is different. You create your own system. That's kind of why it's called the art of allowance. You create your own heart as you start to raise your money smart kids. Thanks again, John. I really appreciate it. Definitely recommend everyone go ahead and check out The Art of Allowance. I think it's a great, fun, quick read to help you get some great concepts and ideas that you can implement with your kids and make them the responsible financial adults that uh, we all hope to be <laughs> when we get older. Well, thanks, Chris. I love what you're doing and I appreciate you having me on. And a big thanks to all of you for joining me here for another episode. As always, if you have a question, you can reach out to me on Instagram. You can find me at Popcorn Finance Podcast. And that's where I got today's kernel from. This came from Chelsea, who is a high school educator who's been binging the podcast while she's been cleaning and running. 
I would say I do the same thing. I also listen to podcasts while I clean. Uh, I do not run, so I have not had that experience. Uh, but I'll take your word for it that you can do both of those things at the same time because I can barely just breathe trying to run. So, Chelsea, I appreciate you listening to the show. Thanks for the support. And also, for those of you listening to the show who are also YouTube fans, I'm starting to put out more videos on YouTube as well. So if you just search for Popcorn Finance on YouTube or just go to the show notes. You'll find a link in there as well. As always, I appreciate you all joining me here for another bag of popcorn. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, boy, keep it popping like Mary Poppins.